everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast. I'm your host, Martino Puccio. Joined alongside me is Matt Santangelo. We have a very special guest today, but before we get to our guest, uh, we'd just like to mention that we are part of 90 Minute Football uh, Network. Um, Barisha is not with us. He's on holiday again, as they like to call it out there. Um, he's in Greece, I believe, Matt. Is that is that where he is? Greece, yeah. I don't know if he said Mykonos or Santorini, but he's probably trying to get away from the headache that is Arsenal Football Club. <laughs> and and whatever that weather is over in London, which is, uh, you know, pretty bipolar. But, yeah, I mean, listen, he uh, he interrupted his holiday break to ask us about Tomiyasu from Serie A, which is the league we will be discussing today with our guests of the Low Limit Football Podcast. What a smooth transition that was. That was so good. Um, we got Joe Uccello. <laughs> Damn it, I bust the name and I ruined everything. Joe Ucello from the Low Limit Football Podcast. His co-host is Roberto Rojas, who we've had on here many times. Matt and I have been on his podcast. One of the kindest people you will come across on football Twitter. Joe, how are you? Great, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you guys today. Yeah, so listen, you're a Juve fan. We're Milan fans. You've got to be one of the most kind uh and you know unbiased qv fans i've ever met and especially on uh the internet which is very hard to come by um and you know what it's been a hectic summer for them um in recent summers it really has been um last season was just chaotic on multiple fronts they just sneak into the top four to get back in the champions league which was much needed uh they won two trophies the Super Cup and the Coppa Italia. Max Allegri is back, but in recent days, that was completely overshadowed by one of the greatest players of all time being sold back to Manchester United, and that's Cristiano Ronaldo. We'll talk about the sale first, then we'll get into Juve and then everything else. The sale of Cristiano Ronaldo, honestly, if you really followed Juve very closely like you do, it doesn't shock me that much to see what happened on the last day of the season last year, I believe they played Bologna, where he reportedly sat out because of fatigue. And this is, again, Cristiano Ronaldo we're talking about, a guy who, you know, at that point, Juve was just playing one match a week. And he was too tired to play in the final game of the season. Everything leading up to it, it was just murmurs about how disappointed he was in uh, the European, um, you know, performances that they had as a club. And then, so on and so forth on a scale of one to 10, Joe, how shocked were you that he eventually left the club this summer? Um, Shocked that he left the club. No, maybe on a scale of one to 10, I'd say three, maybe Mm. maybe four at at best. Um, And I come from a standpoint where I've, I've mentioned plenty of times, you know, one of the things that Juve needed to do to move forward is to actually sell Cristiano Ronaldo Uh, in the three years that he was there at Juve. The team was very, uh, Ronaldo centric. You saw it, you know, time and time again, even to the, you've got to remember, like you mentioned the Bologna match at the end of the 2020, uh, 2021 season, he, he didn't play. You talked about the fatigue, which really raised an eyebrow for a guy that is so fit. I mean, and so focused on fitness um, to have quote unquote fatigue seemed a little sketchy. And when the team needed him the most, he wasn't there. And, and, you know, Juve obviously prevailed. They, you know, they capitalized in the last, I want to say 10, 15 minutes of the match to be able to move through and, and gain that top four spot. But the fact that he wasn't there to do it was, was pretty shocking. I think overall, uh, 
fast forward to now, I, I wish Juve made this move a little quicker. I, mm. I wish they, you know, I think making it a week and a half before the close of the transfer window, it really doesn't allow Juve a lot of time to go and find and find a, a, a valid replacement. I mean, we've added Moise Keane in the last couple of days, and I know many Juve fans are very excited for that. I am too. I, I love the kid. I was sad to see him go. So I'm glad he's come back. But, you know, you think of your striker line of Morata and, and Moise Keane, and you're like, this isn't really you know, uh, Romelu Lukaku. This isn't Zlatan Ibrahimovic. This isn't Eden Dzeko uh, or, or Chiro Immobile. This is not that level. And I think Juve losing Ronaldo when they did um, kind of put them in a little bit of a bind to replace him. So it's going to be on the, the Paolo Dybala's of the world and the Dejan Kudlyshevskis, um and, and of course, Federico Chiesa, uh, who is, I think, will grow in this position once things take off. It doesn't look so good right now, but um, yeah, for me, the Ronaldo thing I, I think is a good move overall for Juve, despite all the goals he did bring to the team, because it allows the team now to play a much more fluid style, um, a style where Dybala, Weston McKinney, Chiesa, even Bernadeschi can become a little more dangerous. Um, and it's not so, so Ronaldo focused for me. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation for, for Juventus to have been in, right? I think there were intentions to keep him. Obviously, he had one year left on his contract. So uh, essentially, you're trying to milk as many good years as you possibly can out of your big, big investment, right? Obviously, Juve coughed up a ton to Real Madrid to get him, You're paying him a ton of money. Um, so in, in a way, yes, I absolutely agree. I think you kind of cut it short, but it's one of those things where I think it's, um, I, I don't put so much of the blame on, on Juventus necessarily, rather than I do on Ronaldo and Jorge Mendes to, to kind of make their, some of their intentions clear. Now, some people said that it was obvious from, from May that, you know, he, he didn't want to be there coming into the season. Um, and if that's the case, then Juventus kind of just threw it under the rug and said, ah, we'll see if we can convince him and maybe he'll come around and so on and so forth. Well, then that's on Juventus. Um, at the end of the day, he's such a powerful player. Um, he's a very powerful commanding agent. Um, and you got that sense on how quickly his deal back to Manchester United materialized, right? It was, he's on the bench for Udinese. There's no problem. Okay, now he's leaving. It's City. Now it's City United. Now it's just United done deal like it happened very quickly so um, his intention was obviously there to leave um, with that being said I think if you're in Juventus camp you can't really anticipate um, replacing him that output right you, you're never going to replace Ronaldo just like Barcelona is never going to replace Messi however you try and replace his output if it's one player if it's two players so be it I think that puts a lot more pressure on Avro Morata to be um, a little bit more productive um, he's been pretty solid for Juve in terms of production and, and output, uh, but he's going to have to step up. He's going to have to take it more responsibility. Paulo Dybala as well, right? He's kind of been um, frozen out of the squad to a degree uh, under the previous two managers. So now him under Allegri, I think he'll get reins back and he'll be a key man up front. And Moise Kane, right? A player that they used to have is familiar with the club, the culture. Um, he'll be embraced by the, the, the players, also the fans. So I think at the end of the day, I think if you're Juventus and you're looking at the attack, you kind of take that burden off you, that $30 million 
net burden per year that you shell out for him. And you spread that a little bit more evenly. But I think it's worth noting, this is my last point, guys. It's worth noting that for all the hate and criticism and, and, and disappointment that people have with Milan's market, the team that's best suited to spend of all clubs in, in Serie A didn't spend. They didn't splash the cash and get a winger or get another defender or get another fullback, which was another area they needed. So it puts things into perspective, right? Like Ronaldo was a big, big time player for them, no doubt, but also a big burden on their wage bill that really put them in a bind to address other areas. So that's what I'm taking out of this the most is that yes, in the short term, it probably puts Juventus in a little bit of a more precarious situation. Um, and the odds makers believe that as well. I actually bet a future on Juve to win the league and I got them at minus 110, I think. And then it shifted. Minus, minus 140 in a lot of spots. Or 140 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now it's, they're pretty much even odds with Inter who lost a ton of players. So there is that big that difference in that squad. But I think Juventus have a, a strong enough team still to win the league, in my opinion. And they have a great coach. And I think the rough start aside, I do think they'll turn it around. I really do. So that's my taking away from this. Yeah, I, th- I think they could turn it around. I, I get the whole starting point thing. We've seen that before with past the Legri teams, but those are just different teams. man. Like, you know, we're talking about like a few years ago where they were stacked in the midfield. Locatelli doesn't fix that issue. And for me, the whole transfer market strategy just didn't make that much sense. And I know it was kind of late. Locatelli, fine. I mean, that took forever. They bullied Sassuolo to getting the, the offer that they wanted. I mean, what else is new there, right? I mean, good for them at that point. But it was really just that. And the other decision was to try and get Pjanic, which is like, what? Like, I, this, this, yeah. I it, 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 it was just, they felt like lateral moves. It didn't feel like they were trying to move forward with some of this stuff. I think Moise Keane is, is good talent, but... We're talking about replacing that goal scoring production. And not only that, they do have other stuff long-term that they need to figure out. Paulo Dybala is still not extended as of today. Um, They still need to figure out what to do with their fullback positions. Is Alexandro there for the future? And to be honest, their director is very new to this side of the thing, uh, of, of, of the world. And to be honest with you, I think they're good enough to win the league. I think that's just a fact, right? With all the talent that they have, I think they're thinner at center back than a lot of people would like to admit. Um, and because it can get dangerous with Bonucci's age, with Chiellini's age and injury history, it's delict. Sure. But you're not too far from looking at Daniela Rugani in the rearview mirror. So it's kind of, it's kind of difficult with them. They need to find balance within the midfield. What's the future with Kulusevsky? Is he going to be able to contribute to this team as well? <sighs> I I think Juve will have enough to make top four, no problem. To win the league is just a different thing. I just also don't think, and you made this point too, I think, I believe, Matt. And Joe, I don't know if you agree about this. Teams are not scared of Juve like they used to be. When there is a game or points to be had in a match with Juve, teams are ready to go at them. They're not, they're not scared to take chances and, and try and win the game. And Matt, I think what, what you mentioned in your tweet was they're playing, teams used to play into Juve's hand, into what they wanted. Now that's not necessarily the case. Whether or not Allegri could fix that is one thing, but I genuinely don't see the fear 
of of certain clubs that they used to have when they were on that ridiculous run of nine straight titles. Well, Martino, pretty much the premise of what I was saying, and I think Joe, you would can you can attest to this as well. Like this is your bread and butter. This is a club that you live and die by. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, in previous years, Juventus Stadium was a fortress. No one goes into their yard and beats them. Simple. They play their game. They and impose themselves early on, and it's either you you really try and take a risk. You take mm-hmm. a risk, they're going to beat you. If you try and play the defensive game, they can do that and beat you. So there were so many different ways for them to orchestrate and navigate to victory. Last year under Pirlo, things became a lot more open, right? People, and not people, but, but a lot of these clubs and all these coaches saying, wait a second, like we can go after this team. Like let's, 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 let's bring it to them. And it le- has left them vulnerable now. I know it's a different coach and maybe Allegri can help regain that sort of um, solidity that they had, right? Where they really invoke that, that fear into the other side. But early on, we're seeing it. Like Udinese, okay, Wojciech Szczesny, let's press him. Let's, let's, force the, let's push the envelope and, and force him into positions that are, make them uncomfortable, right? They managed to over, overturn a 2-0, 2-0 lead or 2-0 deficit. Mm-hmm. And even Empoli, lowly Empoli, who you look at their team and like this team doesn't really have much that can – harm Juventus's back line like you're looking at Bonucci Delict like that should be more than enough to handle Empoli so I think they're going to grow into the the Allegri team of old more or less but I think early on you're seeing a lot of these provincial sides um, and this is not even just a Juventus problem I think this is a league thing where teams are willing to take risks like if you're going to try and sit back eventually you can't play that game for 90 minutes eventually there's going to be a team that breaks you down. And that's what I see with Juventus early on. So um, we'll have to wait and see. I think Allegri is the guy to, to round them into form. Um, sorry, nearly never picked it up. Pirlo obviously never picked it up. He was carried a lot by Ronaldo and Chiesa at times last year. But I think mm-hmm. Allegri is going to restore order and balance to that team. And I still think they're going to be a team that at the end of the day, at the end of the season, are either champions or at the very least are fighting for that title. So I'll, I'll jump in and react real quick. And I, and I want to go backwards with a few points. So to the, to the fortress part that you mentioned, Matt, a hundred percent, right. A hundred percent. Right. I think during the stretch of the nine titles, I think Juve lost. And I, and again, I'm pulling numbers out of the air, but something tells me it was like three or four times, like the entire nine years that they lost matches at home. You could not go into Juventus stadium uh-huh. the Alliance and, and win. It just, it wasn't happening. And yeah, they became much more vulnerable. It started under Saudi a little bit, even though, you know, they they you know, they won the title that year with Saudi, uh, and then continued under Pirlo. But if it all started with the amount of goals they gave up, you saw them start to give up more. I mean, Juve was was the king of one nothing, right? And and you saw them give up more goals, more goals, more goals. Now we're at a point here where yeah, you have an aging Bonucci and an aging Chiellini. I'm not going to use that in as as an excuse though, because those two guys just put the Italian national team on their back and delivered the Euro. So I, I, I don't believe in talking about Chiellini and Bonucci as old. I do agree with you, though, that looking at Rugani as your, your, like one of your next options is not a good place to be. And this is a team that loaned out Mary Demerol, which is, looks like I think it's an obligation to buy. Uh, they, they sold Christian Romero, which I thought was mind-boggling in my opinion. I, you know, Romero's, if Christian Romero was on this Juve team right now, that would be the first step into to returning that Grinta, right? That, that toughness. he would be that, that guy that would really start to return that model. He would be the Chiellini replacement. 
and I was surprised to see them sell him off to Atlanta. Atlanta then sold him to Tottenham Hotspur. I, I don't know where that came from unless they're trying to balance some books. So uh, I think I think Allegri, like you said, will return order, but it's going to take a little bit of time, and it's going to take a little grittiness. They're going to need um, some grittiness to do that. Last point I want to make is about the midfield. You guys talked about, you mentioned um, them talking about bringing in, you know, 34-year-old Marilyn Pjanic and 33-year-old Axel Witzel. And they never did either at that time. But what drives me nuts is that this was an opportunity for Juve if they really had their glasses on. Because Eduardo Camavinga got sold to Real Madrid for 26 million pounds. And and he's like a once-in-a-generation talent, right? I and mean, we've talked about him at Rena just, just really running it up and playing well. This is the kid they should have gone and gotten. If they really wanted to build that midfield, you're talking 26 million for a talent like him. He would have been the perfect option. And... And obviously Real Madrid steps in and, and buys him, uh, you know, and Juve never even made an, an offer or anything like that. I don't, I don't know where their transfer window head was. I think they got a little clouded once Cristiano Ronaldo did eventually leave. I think there was kind of a scramble. That's why you saw the Moise Kane deal. And I think they lost focus of that midfield and went to replacing those goals. Like you guys talked about. Listen, I, Joe, I can we can go all day on this, uh, even on Juventus, because I think it's a, it's an interesting topic to see, um, you know, reflect on the whole decade of domination and really the past couple of years where they've lost key directors and key coaches and mm. players, and you're seeing the shift that it, that could potentially happen to them being um, maybe not the the the, the power. There's still more coming. Like Bonucci and, and Chiellini, like how much longer? The era, but the, 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 see, the era was waning though. And I think yeah. that what we saw this, and this is something I've been thinking a lot more about, guys, is what we saw this summer market was truly telling when you compare um, the past three years, let's call it three years or two years to Inter and Juventus, right? Mm-hmm. You get Conte, you get Beppe Marotta. Now Inter has their issues, right? They win the title though clear-cut, fully deserving. They lose Conte. They get a new manager. They still kept Beppe Marotta. And Beppe Marotta put in a, a really difficult spot having to lose his coach, lose his top right back. Um, Ericsson, you know, to the unfortunate events, what happened at the Euro. And, and, and really wasn't forced financially to sell Lukaku. The player just wanted to leave. And they said, all right, you want to leave? We're, we need 100, 100 plus million. What does he do? Jekyll, Dumfries, Correa. Like he goes out there and he and he like replenishes. And that's 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 massive for me, right? And people are starting to really see that. Yes, it's a coach. It makes it makes a difference. But if you have a, a, a sound director who can pull off deals and get deals done, you can have sustainable success. And look, we've seen with Juve, right? Where you lose Marotta, Paratici, that was the duo, mm. right? For better or for worse, we know some of the moves they didn't make to help address the midfield. One carried the other. And now all of a sudden you're thinking, man, like they, they took forever. Like Pepe Marotta, Locatelli two years ago, three years ago, would have got that done easy. No problem. I know it's a different circumstances with the pandemic, but they used to have shrewd deals and used to get them done. Now, Final point I'll make, and we can, I swear we can move on, guys. Um, <laughs> um, I think the big challenge and the big key I see with Allegri versus some of the previous coaches is, all right, yes, we didn't get the players we wanted in every department, 
but how do I develop certain players in the squad? And this is something I look at even with Milan and, and certainly other clubs in Serie A. It's how do we get Bentoncourt to be that next grade of midfielder? How do we get Arthur to be the midfielder that we bought from Barcelona who actually earned the Barcelona move? That's, that's massive. Like you could, oh, you can impress enough to get the Barcelona shirt. How does Allegri tap into the potential of some of these players? That's going to be one of his biggest challenges because he's a manager that, ha- that has the capability to do that. Whether or not he can is, is a whole other conversation. I, it's, it's difficult because, again, it's just not an overnight fix. And with some of their finances in the future, you would assume that the wages of Cristiano Ronaldo off the books would help substantially. You would assume you lose Chiellini sometime after the next World Cup, right? I mean, that's just almost a given at this point. Uh, Goalkeeper is eventually going to need an upgrade. I think it's fairly obvious there, right? I, I think they were even uh, considering it prior to Allegri arriving, and obviously he values him. And despite even the poor game against Udinese, like he, he'll he'll be there. But eventually, there's a lot of spots you could look around: left back, right back, a couple of the center back positions. Still need to add to that midfield. Who is a true striker, right? Murata, yeah, he could stay there for a while ish, but. He's, good. he's aging like that. He isn't spring chicken exactly. I mean, I think Chiesa is just, that's fine. I think that, without a doubt, is your guy for the future. Ultimately, what I think for Juve is this. If they can just continue and develop what they need to develop this season, and if it results in a title, that's great. But in all honesty, I think I think some fans should be satisfied if it's a top to finish at the at the very least like it's if they don't win the league title I don't think it's the most devastating thing because I think the problems are a lot bigger than people like to let on and they don't like to let them on just because they won nine straight titles that's what that's what it is it's hard to accept that kind of decline like that and it was a decline that was fairly fast and there's some parallels Matt and, and Joe I think to Milan a little bit very last point is that when Milan was transitioning those guys, when Gattuso, Seydorf, like Inzaghi, all those guys left, they didn't have the proper replacements for them, right? I see a little bit of that in them currently with, I feel like they should have had better center back stats. Like, I f- like wouldn't Lovato have been someone they would have been interested in, in grabbing? Uh, it just, there should have been more to that. And I think the main culprit, and I've said it's the main culprit, was Paratici, is just, was, was abysmal. I just, quite frankly, he was. It's easy to get deals done when you have money for Matthias Delict or, oh, we can get Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, that's easy to do. For me, it was all the other little stuff, and it came back to bite him in the ass. And it was fairly obvious after Morata left who, who the real brains of the, of the operation was. Um, but there's a whole league to talk about. So before we get to talk about the league, we just wanted to uh, get a message in from our sponsors. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, including Sant'Angelo, and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code 90min20, 90min20. Matt, let's be serious. Just got back from Puerto Rico. 
was something of a necessity that I needed to use Manscaped to go down there. I had a very good time partying on a boat, partying with friends. Um, very much needed. I know you go golfing all the time. You know, you don't want really a beard. You want a clean shave when you're on the course. And I also know that you go to the beaches out in Jersey at the same time. I mean, you know how valuable this stuff is, right? I mean, yeah, it's, listen, guys, it's about self-care, you know, whether it's, you know, taking care of your, your mental health, whether it's taking care of your physical shape, you're obviously, um, you know, trying to just, you know, have, have your life in order. You can't forget this one key, key element, right? Your balls, your, your balls. Yeah, take care of yourself, take care of your manhood and pick up on these bad boys. Yeah. Um, and listen, there's so many different things that you could get. The performance package 4.0 obviously includes the weed whackers, like having an astronaut chop off your worst weeds to the top in your nose, in your ear, everywhere else that you get hair, all those other spots that we don't want to mention to you and embarrass in front of whoever you are in a car right now. But abort hairy balls and Buzz Lightyear that would eat with Manscaped. That's hilarious. That's that's so good that they write that. That's phenomenal that we have that in there. But lastly, we just want to remind you one more time, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 90min20 at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping with the code 90min20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Lastly, this podcast is brought to you in affiliation with So Rare, the global blockchain fantasy game. So Rare is a fantasy game of soccer or football or calcio where you buy, sell, and trade players and manage a virtual team with digital player cards. If you use our link and buy five new cards with the primary market, both individual cards and bundles, then you get one free rare card. So head on over to So Rare and get your bundle today. Obviously, Barisha loves these goddamn things he won't stop talking about it he just dm me personally today about it because i told him how good sandro tonali and brahim diaz were doing and i'm sure their stocks are soaring on the digital nft market and i'm sure now he's going to want to have me on to explain why i chose that i wasn't biased pet i fucking told you all right other than that we'll get back to the episode All right. After uh, our sponsors there, we are back um, with episode 105. We're going to be wrapping up the back half of this episode. We're talking about the majority of the league, going to give you our top four predictions and um, who we eventually see winning this title. So, Joe, I'll go back to you first with this. Um, For me, I've talked to a lot of people, obviously, we all have on who we truly think is going to end up winning this title, who some of the favorites are, whether or not Inter deserves a little bit more respect despite losing two superstars. I, I think personally, and, I, and I'm, I'm not that high on Milan yet until I see more of it, but I still think it's just a two-horse race for this title. I think the chase for fourth is going to be crazy for the top four in general, but for me, if there's a lock for the top four, those two teams are Inter and Juve. Um, for me, Inter can easily win this title again. I think they have everything that they need. Simone Inzaghi has shown at a smaller club with less depth and less talent that he has the capability of, of bringing a team way above their weight. And regardless if Lazio was talented enough or not, this Inter side is leaps and bounds uh, filled with more talent than those Lazio teams were. And they added some pretty good players 
to fill in for the losses that they had. Not nearly close enough to what those players were, but is it good enough to win Serie A again with that defense and that midfield? So I think the answer is yes. You two can let me know what you think of it. But for me, strictly speaking on the title race before we get to the top four stuff later, I think it's a two-horse race. And I think Inter end up on top. Matt, I'll let you go first. No, he's not ready. <laughs> um, so obviously, it's it's funny too because I I had did a couple podcasts. I did probably I think two or three, and they obviously brought me on to to talk about Serie A and my predictions for the season and ultimate winners and all that stuff. Um, and that was before Ronaldo left, so obviously I had to factor that in here. Um, same thing. I think it's still going to be between Juventus and Inter. Um, I think I like Inter's a little uh, the chances a little bit more now. Um, I think from a squad standpoint, um, we all know that the hits that Inter took, they, they bounced back well, all things considered, and got some good players, some of which have already de- delivered quite, quite, quite big uh, uh, on the field in, in Joaquin Correa. Um, I think ultimately I, I have to side with Juventus, and I think it's, it just comes down mm. to the manager. Do I really think that Simone Inzaghi, um, he hasn't won a league title yet. I know he's won some some cups, some domestic cups. Um, does well against Allegri. Does well against Allegri, I know. But it's a different animal coaching at Inter versus coaching at Lazio. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that Allegri is going to be able to get have his prince and his 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 uh, uh, Paul Prince on this team. And, and that's going to happen to a point where I eventually think they're going to pick up momentum, going to go on a very good run, something that uh, Sari and really Pirlo weren't able to do. And I think they're going to win it very narrowly. Now, it's worth mentioning a couple years ago that, yes, Juventus won a title under Sari, but they won it by one point. It felt like much more, but they actually won the title by one point because I think on that last match day, they you know rested some players in Inter were obviously you know, playing their better team. I think Juve, that, that Juve are going to win it. And I think it's just going to come down to the manager. On the flip side, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, look, sorry, was at Napoli, right? And then he goes to Juve and all his pitfalls and all of the things he didn't do to administer his 4-3-3, that same liquid football we saw at Napoli that nearly you know, won the title over Juve. He still managed to get the league title, even when he wasn't at his best. So it's a give and take here, but I just, I just see Juve getting that thrown back. I really do. And I think it's going to be very, very narrow, narrowly accomplished. Yeah. So I'll, I'll jump in. I, you know, a couple of weeks ago we did uh, our last show. We've, we've got a new one coming up this weekend, but uh, in that show, I predicted both myself and Roberto predicted that Juve would win the title. Uh, I, th- there's one thing that, that really sticks out to me in terms of Inter's ability to def- defend that title. I think they're going to suffer the loss of Romelu Lukaku more than people are seeing so far this early mm. on in the season. And the key is, is that Lukaku and Lautaro had this, this partnership, this dual partnership. I can't think of another duo um, that performed as well as the two of them did uh, throughout the season. Okay. You know, in, in recent memories, just, just those two strikers together were just, were, you know, peaches and cream. They were, they were perfect together. You know, now we go to, you know, a new partner, Eden Dzeko, who again is a very capable partner. We've seen him score tons of goals in the city. Uh, it's going to take some time to get that chemistry between the two of them. And I'm wondering if they're going to be able to get there. Now they have the tools. They have a great midfield. They can do that. 
um, it is going to be a tight race. Let's let's be honest. You know, mm. if we're saying it's a two team race, this is going to be a very tight two team race, um, strictly because of the strength of Inter is really as much as it was Lukaku and Lotado. For me, the biggest strength Inter has and what they've kept intact is those back three. That was absolutely dominant. Um, and, and, and it was the, for me, it was the key to the championship. Now, Juve comes in, new coach. And let's talk about, you know, Allegri real quick. One of the biggest gripes from Juve fans the last time around with, uh, with Allegri is that he's too pragmatic. He's too predictable. He's too vanilla, right? He's, he's, just, he's just too flat. But the keys here is that we've had chaotic Maurizio Sarri. We've had chaos from, you know, um, Andrea Pirlo because we didn't know we were going to get. You need almost the stability that a guy like Allegri will bring. And and I think in uh, Allegri's first or second season with Juventus, they started out pretty poorly like this and went, turned around and ran away with the title. I think once he gets his mitts in there, he gets them stabilized. He gets them playing in his direction. I think you will see a return of that very tough Juventus. And I think ultimately we'll take over Inter for that top spot. Um, so the top two are there. I think, you know, like you said, the race for the last two Champions League spots is going to be ridiculous. You know, with Saudi coming in at Lazio and, and them scoring tons of goals is going to be one thing. I think Tammy Abraham across the way at Roma is going to be a massive addition for them. I think they're going to be extremely dangerous. Milan, we've seen what they've done. Napoli, we know what they can do. Atalanta, we haven't even mentioned yet. Um, I, you know, mm. Atalanta, even though they they don't spend any money and and they've got you know some some plain Jane players, I guess they find a way to just absolutely entertain and dominate you every season for the last three years. That's where the the race is going to be. Um, that Champions League spot is going to be between five or six teams for two spots. It's going to come down like we did we saw this year to the last ten minutes, yeah. I think. And, uh, but I think it's Juve's to win. Um, I think Allegri is going to be that key to bring that stability back to the team. And, uh, and I think Inter is going to definitely challenge despite the loss of Romelu Lukaku, but it's going to be hard to get that chemistry between Lautaro and, uh, and Jekko that quickly before they mm. move. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Joe, or asking even you, Martino, just off the top of my head. Sure. Um, on Roma. Mm. We know the market they had. They brought in Tommy Abraham. They 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 really did buy some some quality players. Matias Vigna, who I think will grow into a fine player under Jose Mourinho, um, and Luciano Spalletti goes and coaches Napoli. Right? Yeah. They didn't have a big extravagant market, but they have a pretty solid team. Uh, maybe they didn't fill in as much at the in the central defense um, that they needed to. Nonetheless, a good starting eleven. It's obvious. Who do you like finishing higher in the table? Whether you think. One's going to make Champions League or not make Champions League. <clears throat> Who do you like better this season? Napoli. I, I listen. I there's. I respect Mourinho. I think Roma is better after viewing them after the market. Right. I respect Napoli too much. I really do think like how good and talented they are, and the fact that they just missed out on Champions League, which it was to their own fault. They were missing Kula Belief for a little bit. They're gonna. They're gonna have a tight area come January when it comes to losing him and Victor Oshman. I, I also think that at the same time is that you didn't do anything for the left back position center back. We talked about Juve being thin there. You know how thin Napoli are. They got Juan Jesus, but think about it. You didn't get back Maximovic. You're definitely going to lose Kula Bali for a month at least. 
you're talking about having a gap where Manolas has clearly declined massively since he left Roma. And you're kind of in this spot as well, where you're saying, okay, our back line is Mario Rui. Okay. First of all, like decent player, not the best, but like still you look at Juan Jesus potentially Costas Manolas and then Di Lorenzo. That's not scary. And how sustainable that is, is that? For me, I, I'm not too sure. The midfield, we know what that is. It's good, and the attack is going to be one of the best in the league. I think it's going to be one of the three best attacks in the league, if, I, if I'll be honest with you. I, th- I think they're capable of being that good um, because they have depth on the right side, up centrally, on the left, obviously, and then up top because Victor is only going to get more acclimated to the league. You would assume he's not going to be as injured for this season, despite even going to miss that. Uh, thing uh, the month but he's already missed one game due to suspension and we'll see how well they play when they face Juve when they come back from international break for me it's just Napoli I think they have the better manager at this point I I, I, I really do I, I don't think Mourinho is who a lot of people thinks uh, think he actually is ultimately Roma did not beat a top team last year can they show me that at least they still haven't played anyone in my opinion um, I believe they thrashed Salernitana for nothing. Joe, Joe's team, uh, Fiorentina that he thought potentially could get relegated. Um, mm-hmm. That's who they played in the opener. Again, it's very early to tell what do they do with the Spinazzola absence as well. And how well does he play when he comes back? Does Agnolo stay healthy the whole time? There's so many. Do you realize how many question marks I've mentioned this whole time for these two teams? That's a lot. And at, at the end of the day for me, if I pick a team to finish ahead of the other, it's Napoli for me. And I think Napoli has a good case for top four. But I'll say this. They need to capitalize while they have their players, while they can. And I mean that for the future, and I mean that current season, because when January rolls around, they need to prove that they could survive that battle test. If they survive January and Napoli are in a good spot, then I'll feel good about them. And I'm sure their fans will. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm with you on that one, Martino. I think I think ultimately, it'll, if I had to pick one right now, it would be Napoli to finish ahead. Usually, Jose Mourinho does much better in his second season with a club, and you know, obviously, he's going to have to get acclimated to Roma and what he does. So, I think I think next year we're flipping the script on this one. But on on this one, I think we're, we're definitely talking Napoli. I do feel though, however, that Roma will make a late charge at it. Uh, I think losing Osman and Koulibaly to the African Cup of Nations is going to be a big deal for them. Uh, it's going to be something that they're really not going to be able to replace, you know, just lickety split like that. So I think that's going to offer the window for somebody like Roma. Um, having said that, my question is, do either of these two teams actually finish in the top four? Uh, and that is a tough question. If it, Obviously, we're saying Napoli. So I think if it is going to happen, it would be Napoli fourth. But I'll tell you, they're going to have to show me a lot to 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 beat AC Milan, who had an incredible season last year, and I think will still continue on that path. And and Atalanta, like we've talked about before, there's no reason to say that. Um, that the that, defense where are you, Joe? That Romero it? sale does that defense where are you long term for Atalanta? No, the uh, no. I mean, well. Yeah, Atalanta's defense always worried me before the Romero, <laughs> you know. But that's not how Atalanta play. They, sure. they play defense by offense. You know, you want to score three goals against them? Great. We're going to score five against you. Um, that's just how they roll. So, I, you know, is it a big deal? I think it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal to Atalanta in the way that in the style that they play. 
Um, you know, Milan is going to be very, very intriguing. Uh, losing Donnarumma, big deal there for them. So they, they you know, they, they bring on Magnan um, from Lille, uh, who, who had obviously won league on last year. So I think that was a great, great pickup for them. Very, very smart. And it's going to be interesting to see how the team moves forward and takes that next step because they took a massive leap last year, in my opinion. And I think they're in the right direction. And for me, and I've said this before, the Champions League is better when AC Milan is in there. And I'm a Juventino. Um, Thank just, you. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's natural. You know, when yeah. AC Milan is in there, a, a strong AC Milan is in there. It's like, okay, for example, let's say Barca totally, you know, die out this season and they don't make the Champions League for next year, what are we looking at next year at the, in that Champions League with no Barca? It's, there's a void. And I think that void is there with AC Milan not being there. And now that they're back, I, I think that the Champions League is better for it. So, and, and Serie A as well. So I think, uh, you know, when you look at the top four, you know, we've kind of gone off on a tangent here. Um, I, think, I think Napoli over Roma, and it's going to be tough for Napoli or Roma to unseat uh, Atalanta and AC Milan moving into the season. Okay, so I guess we'll just do the top four then because we have about 10 minutes or so left. Joe, you'll go, Matt, and then and then I'll end it. Joe, yep. what is your top four? Because you have uh, Juve winning the title, so I assume Inter second then. Yep, yep, Juve the title, Inter second. I would go um, I'd go Atalanta third and AC Milan fourth with a very, uh, you know, maybe by a point or so over Napoli in my opinion. Okay, okay. Uh, Lazio, you think they contend for top four as well? it's tough to say it, right. it's so early days with Maurizio Sadi. Um, they're going to be tough. They're going to push, but man, it's, I, I think it's going to be too depth, tough. Depth issues and Sadi's lack of rotations might do them. in. I think that's what Absolutely. turns me off to it, Matt. Um, well, I think with, 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 uh, with Lazio and Sadi, I think historically we've seen, right. That his teams take a year or two, very specific personnel, uh, a very specific market um, as far as meeting certain needs in his squad for them to be like full force. So I think in many ways, Joe, when you said that maybe year two Roma, Jose Mourinho, like I could see something similar, right? Like Lazio and Roma really making like big leaps this year. And then next year they're kind of in that, that next bracket, right? Of being teams that's like, watch out for them. They're serious top four teams here, but I think they're on the outside looking in. So back to my, my top four predictions, I'm going to stick with Juve. I have a future on them. So if they do win, at least let it be me getting money. Um, Inter second. I think Inter have a very strong case to be made um, to to win the title, but I think they'll come up short, as I mentioned. I like Atalanta finishing third um, with a slight possibility that maybe this is the the end of a cycle year. Like they take Mm. a step back, right? They're not a team that is constantly just a thorn in everyone's side. Maybe, maybe not. Just something to think about. And I do still like Milan finishing top four for all the overreaction that Maldini didn't get this player. Mazzara, Elliot, yada, yada, yada. They still improve their squad in my eyes. And they're a team that's off to a very good start, albeit against two, you know, not too strong sides. But there's just something about this squad that I think they're so confident. And the coach, they have that, that's, that, that big belief, top to bottom, that they're going to get guys like Junior Macias to play better. and He's going to be a good fit. Like, I, I just look at this team and think they're going to get into that top four. They're going to take a step back as far as positioning is concerned compared to last year because I don't see them as winter champions and having the first half of the season that they had. 
but I think they'll be a little bit more well-rounded, balanced. They're not going to go through these big spells of losing games and, 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 and dropping points like we saw in the second half of the season, a more complete season that they'll put in. Um, and I have them finishing top four. All right. All right. You're a little – I I don't think Atalanta finished top three. I don't. I'll, I'll, I'll disagree. For me, I think there's some sort of decline coming in with them. The there's Gasparini hate. It's yeah. not the Gasparini hate. It's not. It's not. And I, I was shocked we finished ahead of them, and I, I couldn't have laughed harder. And they got off to a slow start again. Um, notorious slow starters. Last year was their best ever start under this like stretch that they had. And obviously, second half Atalanta is just a different beast compared to many teams. Um, I think there's been some steady decline with their forward players that they have. Papu Gomez not at the start of this season. It's different. He contributed last year, right? I think that adds up. They have to replace that. I'm sure they can. Their wingbacks, they kept both of them. I think that was truly underrated. I felt like everybody thought it was a it was a shoe-in that they would lose one of the two, right? I don't know about you guys uh, in terms of that. I, I think they did a better job of holding on to everything. I also thought they did a fantastic job of replacing Christian Romero with the two players that they got. With saying that, those aren't the greatest defenders in the world. Lovato upside, yes. Demiral upside, but how many times are we going to talk about a player's upside and they always get hurt? I mean, at some point, it's a big question mark that they have with that. If they lose him, what are their options? I know Toloi is one of those guys. I don't think, I don't rate Toloi like that. I really don't find him that impressive. And again, Joe's right. The way they beat you is not by the defense. It's it's by scoring a lot of goals. They upgraded at goalkeeper. Muriel keep ticking along like this. The guy has an injury pass. I'm fine with Zapata. I think he'll be okay. I think they will get like guys like Malinovsky and Marinchuk and like all those guys to contribute. There's just, I don't know. There's just something about them that feels like a lot of other teams not have figured them out, but I just, there's something about the lure of them. Isn't they're not as impressive as, as I thought. I think they've, They've not been figured out, but there's some vulnerability there that we haven't seen in, in a couple of years. And I just think that exists with them. I think Milan's going to finish third. I, I have Inter winning the title, Juve, Milan. The thing about when Milan is this, right? You finish second and there were so many excuses and reasoning, reasons why that they wouldn't be in that race for that long, Right. When they came back from the COVID break, and, and I don't want to go too long on a tangent here, but I think it matters. When they go on that break, when they come back from COVID and they play fantastic, they were better than any team in Serie A when it came back initially from that June to August stretch. I think everyone was on the same page saying they were playing the best football for sure. Then we fast forward and jump into the next season where they're playing all those extra Europa League games. They have a very condensed schedule. They're thin at the center back position. They're thin at the left back position. They're thin at the midfield. They're thin in a lot of areas and getting carried by a 39-year-old striker where you don't have an adequate backup. You're playing two guys that are wingers and you take them away from their wing position and then you have other guys fill into that spot. It's a domino effect of what happens. But yet they were in first place for a while. The youngest team in the league. They're a year older now. You already see the maturity of some of these players like Sandro Tonali. For me, people are so scared to put them in this category because it turned around fast in their eyes, right? 
But if we look at the actual timeline of everything, and Matt, you and I talk about this all the time, this has taken years for some of these players to get to the level that they're at. Calabria took a while. Kessie, it took a while. I mean, what we're seeing with the progression of Benacer and even the way Tonali looks so far, they shored up the depth virtually everywhere, Matt. Even if we were underwhelmed by the Junior Messiah signing, he's still an addition and an upgrade to Samu. The central attacking midfield position, sure, worried about it. But there's also a January transfer market. They beat every team in the league last year. Tell me why they can't make top four. Why isn't why are so many people so scared to say it? Like this is Milan. They're good again. Like why? Like there's people like so goddamn scared to admit that. Like hey, maybe they turn the corner. We saw Inter turn the corner at one point after a long absence. Why can't Milan do that? I don't understand why it becomes so taboo at a certain point. Martina, Martina, I think you make fantastic points, and I, I want to double down, and I want to you know bring up the fact that you know for for years people would look at the team so you know in some of these seasons where Milan they're top four contender and they always finish sixth seventh in the Europa League two points off and And you look and you're like well how many champions like like okay they're fighting for a Champions League spot how many Champions League quality players do they have in their starting 11 and I look at this team now and I think to myself well just look at which clubs are coming in to to buy potentially buy Milan's players you have Mike Magnon He's a Champions League player. He's a title-winning player. He's going to be France's number one. That's yeah. one. You have Kyle Tomori. He's a Champions League player. Chelsea were kicking themselves for putting that option there. That's number two. You have Teo Hernandez, who PSG wanted to pay a huge amount for him. That's three. You have Benison and Kessie, four or five, players that are 22 or 23 and 24, respectively. Mm-hmm. Right? Then you have Brahim Diaz. Then you have Ibrahimovic. So you go down the line. Yes, they didn't get that premium player to move the needle in the right wing slash number 10 role. But I'd argue in this squad, they have five to six Champions League players with the potential, again, in guys like Leal and Tonali to elevate their game to be in that sort of same sort of conversation that maybe Ben Asser was in last year, right? Had a really good debut season under his belt. And people are like, okay, Ben is a good player. He's a starter for us. Let's see how good he can be. Can he be a player that City or a P- can play for a City or a PSG or some of these teams? And the answer is that when he's played, absolutely. So I think that maybe Milan's top four hopes or their their chase will really rest on that next tier of players in the squad that are young, talented, but maybe they shed that, oh, he's a young, talented player. He comes, he's a young star. Mm. Tonali's capable. I think Leao's capable. And Tonali's think, going to the World Cup. And I think even Brahim is capable. So that's what I think Milan's looking for with the market. Yes, they didn't get Bernardo Silva. I'm sorry, guys. Shame on you for thinking. <laughs> that's, that's on you, not me. Um, but I think that's really the key here. Because you have a player in Leao who's capable of being a guy who can be a double-digit goal uh, scorer and a guy who puts in eight to 10 assists. He's capable of it. He is. We've seen it. We see the numbers he was putting up in the first half of the season. He was projecting to be a double digit goal scorer and double digit assist guy. Mm. And I, and I believe the same thing with Tonali, that he could be a player that really grows to be one of the more the, in that, maybe not, maybe not the category of a Barella or someone like that yet, 
but maybe like that Lorenzo Pellegrini tier where he's like a very good midfielder that's in the conversation to make a Euro roster. That's where he needs to get back to. And I think that's what ultimately Milan fans have to hope for in these young players is that they grow to their potential um, in their second year, second year slash third year. Yeah. Um, so I have them third. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth. My heart tells me Napoli. Um, but my head's telling me Atalanta just off of uh, recent year. It's so tough. Um, I'm going to go with my heart and the hate in my heart for Gasparini and put Atalanta outside the top four. So I'll have Napoli there fourth. I can't do it. I can't, do, I can't put Atalanta there. I can't. Um, <laughs> so I'll have them fifth. Listen, Napoli have everything that it takes on their best day to beat any team in this league. I'll make that quite clear. I truly believe that. I think their midfield would be better to upgrade at head coach. I don't think there's a team within this league. Well, obviously, Allegri over Pirlo is just that, – that goes without saying. But I think the jump in quality for Spalletti over Gattuso is really going to show over the course of a 38-game season. And with how good they were last year, despite everything um, and the way they played in certain games, I truly do think that. And – you know, if Dries Mertens plays better than, than what they had, and if he's healthy, then it's a massive boost. It really is. Um, so those are my top four. Uh, unfortunately, no Scudetto for Milan, but, hey, get back into the Champions League game. It's, it's, uh, it's fine for me. Um, but, yeah, that'll pretty much wrap up that Serie A preview. Uh, it was fantastic, as always, Joe. Such a great time. You're, you're awesome. You and Roberto do amazing work. Uh, always enjoy talking to you, whether it's spaces, whether it's well, remember clubhouse. That was a while ago when we <laughs> talked about Italy and uh, USA winning the tournaments, which we were both right about. So virtual pat on the back for you. Uh, yeah. So plug everything that you have, man. I mean, you got, you got a lot going on. I mean, the podcast is just, it's just so awesome. Just two of the most humble people that you ever meet. Yeah. I mean, thanks. I, you know, obviously we're, um, we've been, we've been going strong. Uh, this weekend is our eight year anniversary of doing the podcast. Uh, eight. eight I blame you for the Milan champions league curse. <laughs> I'm there. Uh, yeah, we, uh, it's going to be episode three It'll come out sometime this weekend. We also joined, uh, Stel Stiliano and shoot the defense. Who's been a great promoter of, of podcasts, you know, multiple podcasts off of his channel. So, um, but you can find us at low limit football on Twitter, myself at JPU cello. Um, I don't tweet nearly as much as I probably should, but uh, I'll always put something out there every now and again. And uh, real quick, can I drop a little breaking news on you? Drop everything you got. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at my Twitter feed right now because obviously Roberto Rojas sent me a, a message a few minutes ago. The Antoine Griezmann move is not done. And I saw that. Yeah, and it might not happen. Guillaume Balaguer just posted 30 minutes ago. As it stands, Griezmann not confirmed to go to Athletic. Uh, Luke de Jong not confirmed to Barcelona. And Saul to Chelsea. And I guess it all depended on Saul. So right now, these moves are all in the air. So stay tuned. The transfer window's closed, but it ain't closed. Wait, wait. Well, Fab Romano just said, so we'll play for Chelsea. Here we go. Confirmed two minutes ago. Oh, yeah. So, oh, my goodness. <laughs> this, <laughs> stu- this stuff is... Market in a nutshell, right? Oh my like, god, they were so close. Like, they were gonna take what I think they bought it for 120 Griezmann, they were gonna sell him for oh yeah. with an option for 40 million euros. Like, oh, you can't even get that done, like, you can't even get rid of the players that you're gonna take losses on. But though, you know what angered me earlier today, guys? 
the fucking offer of Danny Olmo for 70 million euros. Are you kidding me that they had money? Like (laughs) where, what are we talking about? How do you lose Messi in the same summer and offer 70 million for Danny Olmo? I never understand it. I don't get it. I really don't bash my head through a wall. Barca hasn't figured it out. out. They still don't get it. It's just plain and simple. They just don't get it. I mean, Luke de Jong, I mean, I literally only think he's going there because of Ronald Koeman. There's no other reason why that should be whatever. (laughs) It's not our problem. This was a Serie A episode. Yeah, so Low Limit Football, uh, JP Ucello. Go follow Roberto as well. Roberto Rojas 97, I believe it is, um, because that's uh, the year that he was born in. He's still so young. You always forget how young Roberto is. Um, But yes, other than that, Matt, you give out your plugs. Sure, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo doing a lot of Milan content for Football Italia this year. Going to be coming out with the, I guess, seasonal club guide for them um, and some, some market analysis of, of what we saw this summer and some some features the rest of the way. So just check me out on Twitter and, of course, follow me, Martino, what we do uh, on Twitch at MilanReports.com. We're close or maybe have gotten above 600 subscribers on Twitch and we have tons of people that tune in every week, so that's a testament to um, the the community we've built, but also the the phenomenal work from Martino. He's been carrying it to say the least. While my my ass has been late to pretty much the last three um, or four. So. Milan, the Milan report stuff. I've been a thoroughbred with freaking this <laughs> podcast and, and the other one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, talk about Frank Kesty never getting injured. I mean, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, vote for us. Day to play podcasts. Best uh, best podcast, I think, was the hashtag. Um, got a lot of competition for this. It's going to be very difficult. Um, so make sure to vote for us. That's on all social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Um, coming down the stretch, there's going to be two types of football coming. Italy's back, guys, by the way. Can't forget that. They're going for that all-time record. I mean, that's. I, I know international break gets boring sometimes. But for us, this can't be boring, right? I mean, this is like, this is everything that we wanted. Um, so I'm excited for them to get back into the groove of things. Um, obviously, Milan Reports, go follow that. Um, anything else that I'm missing, Matt, at the end of this? I guess follow Barisha while he's away. Um, we really need a meltdown. I need to talk to him because this is really bad with Arsenal. I think it's like comically bad. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> like it's, it's comically bad. But also at the same time, you're kind of like, okay, do I stop laughing? It's like when someone trips and falls badly. Like initially you laugh, but then you're like, oh shit, I think they might be hurt. Like, oh shit, I think Arsenal might get relegated. Like that's what that's what we're looking at. But they took one of our boys, Tamiyasu, um, and signed him. So other than that, guys, Joe, we'd like to thank you one more time. Guys, make sure to go follow him and support all their work and listen to the Low Limit Football Podcast. If you like Roberto, you'll like Joe as well. Um, And remember, listen to some Joaquin.